Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. Want to go to the college football playoff? Want to see Oklahoma take on number one LSU for a chance to play in the national championship? Prices will drop close to Game Time, and you can use the app Game Time to get tickets to that massive matchup in the Peach Bowl. Now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then under the billing section, use redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem and it expires at the end of the year. That's January 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. It's not about what the outside world thinks. It's about what does, you know, what do you have in that room? And the best man wins, and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer out on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but, but we as coaches do. Well, regardless of what the outside world thinks, we, we believe a lot in our defense. Welcome to another edition of The Outside World. I'm John Hayes. You can follow me on Twitter at John Hayes on Air, and you can follow my co-host and yours truly, the athletic beat writer covering the Oklahoma Sooners, Jason Kersey, at Jason Kersey. You can get his Sooners coverage there, and as well as on The Athletic, and here, of course, on The Outside World. Too. It's a pleasure to catch up with you, Jason. Post-Heisman ceremony, Jalen Hurts obviously doesn't win the award, but he represents Oklahoma in New York. It's the third straight time a quarterback has gone to New York to represent the Sooners, of course, the previous two winners of the award. What's going on, my friend? Yeah, and nothing much. Uh, obviously, getting ready for the playoff uh, run, but yeah, I mean Oklahoma. I wrote about this last week. I mean the the historic domination of the Heisman Trophy just content in terms of finalists, in terms of top three finishers. Jalen Hurts is the runner up. Um, he's the 18th uh, top three finisher for the Heisman vote. No U history or in Heisman history uh, for for an OU player. Um, obviously that, that is just, uh, that that's number one in terms of top three finishes. They're number one in terms of finalists, uh, and they're tied for number one in terms of winners. That's at seven. So, um, the Heisman trophy and, and Oklahoma have been pretty synonymous here for the last several years. And we've got a lot to cover today on the outside world. And, and we're going to discuss that the Heisman trophy and what it means for, for Spencer Rattler, uh, the quarterback who was the former number one quarterback recruit in the country um, who is now expected to take over for Jalen Hurts. Now, this is after the Peach Bowl and a potential national championship, and we need to cover those things as well. The early signing period is this week. Oklahoma uh, currently with uh, one of the best classes uh, in the country as of recording, and this is on Tuesday afternoon. Rivals has Oklahoma ranked the number 11 class in the country, and it is the top class um, in the Big 12. It wouldn't have been, though, Jason, 10 years ago, and this is random. Texas A&M sits there at number five. 
Yeah, yeah, but we know Texas A&M won't do anything with that. Uh, the most historically <laughs> underachieving program in college football history. Um, won 10 games exactly once, I think, in the last 20 years. So, yeah, but they're always up there ranked high. But that's, that's an interesting thing, and I know this isn't a Texas A&M podcast, but it's fascinating to me that Texas A&M in the SEC is exactly, literally exactly what they were in the Big 12, an 8-5 and five team every year. Eight and five, maybe nine and four in a good year. But they moved up in the tax bracket. They got that SEC money now. And you know, the, the renovation of Kyle Field, I think, did wonders for that program. I've been inside the, the locker room. I've been inside the facility there in College Station. It's, it's phenomenal. And, um, yeah, it's, that, that's all great, but that's, they're still winning the same number of games. They certainly are. And, and they're in a, a, a difficult neighborhood, that SEC West. Um, you don't want to screw around uh, with that. But you mentioned this being a Sooners pod, and it is. And I mentioned early signing day. I talked about the Heisman, the, the Peach Bowl, a potential national championship. What do you think? And I think this is the best question, Jason, because you know, you've got boots on the ground in Norman. Uh, there, there's nobody closer to this program on the outside uh, than yourself. What is, is the most pressing issue on campus this week. Uh, has Lincoln Riley been able to, to, to shut off peach bowl preparation to, to lock down um, this 2020 class? Uh, how is this being managed in that athletic facility? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he was pretty open about being annoyed. I think that at the way that the NCAA calendar fell this year, that teams that were in, uh, conference championship games were were basically penalized for that. Um, they were, uh, you know, they the, the recruiting period opened uh, the the week of conference championship games, so all the teams that were in it uh, were, were sort of put at a disadvantage. So that that set OU back a little bit, and so you know everybody was uh, you know everybody who was in a conference championship game was basically set back. So they've been in high gear the last couple of weeks trying to get this uh, this class locked down after the Big Twelve championship game. It's sort of an interesting debate. Do you uh, do you you know? Obviously, you want to play in the Big 12 championship game because that's good for recruiting. Uh, but at the same time, when you lose a week uh, that where the Texas coaches and, and some of the other uh, coaches that you're up against are out on the road hitting maybe some of the guys you're unable to get to, I think that's what, what annoys Lincoln a little bit. But they've been, uh, they've been in high gear. Yeah, they're, they're sort of right around number 10 in, in the various rankings uh, right now. And I think that'll probably go up. I mean, um, they, they seem to have a little bit of momentum. Um, there are a few, I, I believe maybe one or two unaccounted for eyeball emojis, Lincoln Riley's way of announcing a commitment. Um, so, uh, you know, I, they handle this stuff really well is my point. They, 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 they've gotten used to this. They've gotten used to having that week of the big 12 championship game, uh, and, and all those things. And they've, they've handled the early signing period really well. So, uh, I, I think the the most interesting news that really has come out the last couple of days is that um, you know Reggie Grimes, a four star defensive end uh, from the uh, from the Nashville area, who had committed to OU over an Alabama offer. His dad played for Alabama. Uh, he will not uh, be signing during the early signing period. He'll be signing, uh, I, I guess, in February. So. Um, the fact that he's not signing probably means that he's, I mean, I, I would assume means that he wants to keep his options open a little bit. That's probably concerning, though, you a little bit. But other than that, the news has generally been pretty good. 
Yeah, across the landscape of college football, you're talking about a, a rate of, of greater than 70% of, of athletes that sign on the dotted line here on this early signing day. And uh, I know it's new. And you know, diehard college football fans, Jason, they, they're used to it at this point after two or three years of the early signing period. But I still feel the need to remind fans that this is the week where most of these highly touted recruits will sign on the dotted line. We'll know at this point next week what type of class Oklahoma really has. Right now there's 20 guys in this class, and and don't get me wrong. Uh, we're not going to sit here on this podcast today and break down every single player, uh, what they can do for the team in the future, but I do think it's important to circle – um, at least one guy. And the reason why is because this morning when I'm on The Athletic and I'm reading your work, I, I stumble upon a headline that says, quote, I've been wearing the jersey since I was one. Lineman Andrew Rame was born to be a Sooner. Great story on a um, out of the state of Oklahoma, an in-state kid. Tell us more about him and why he was born to play for the Sooners. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's sort of an interesting, uh, an interesting thing. I mean, Oklahoma, you know, needed to replenish its offensive line uh, group. They uh, and, and they did. I mean, they they they're going to sign five offensive linemen, four of which are top, you know, two fifty players in the rival in the twenty four seven composite rankings. So, I mean, they're they're signing a hell of an offensive line class. Um, but the one that I think was probably most important that they got was Andrew Rain because he's in state. Um, he had uh, grew up grew up an OU fan. He committed really early, like going into his sophomore year of high school. He committed to OU, and then uh, he decommitted once he started getting a bunch of other offers and sort of realized that he was going to be a national recruit and wanted to do his due diligence and take his time. Which I I would hope that everybody can respect. I think that that uh, is absolutely the way these kids should do that. Um, when you start getting Alabama, Michigan, Notre Dame, Stanford, uh, Florida, all those kinds of offers, um, you, you know, you, you probably want to at least check those places out no matter where your childhood rooting interests were. But at the end of the day, his heart was at OU and he came back uh, and, and recommitted uh, to the Sooners. And, you know, he's a, he's a freak of an athlete, um, was a really good baseball player up at Broken Arrow High School. And he also sort of uh, helps – quell the the notion that OU had a problem recruiting in Tulsa. I mean that in the Tulsa area. Uh Owasso safety uh highly recruited kid named Josh Proctor went to uh went to Ohio State uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Dax Hill was the number one player in the state, a five-star safety from Booker T. Washington in Tulsa, went to Michigan uh, last year. They, of course, lost Josh Jacobs to Alabama, uh, and he sort of made them pay for that a couple of years ago. So um, I, I think getting the number one kid in the state, having him be from the Tulsa area was really important, and, uh, and then also just sort of helping replenish his offensive line class. You know, one thing I really like about this kid – Jason is is he's a multi-sport athlete and we, we see a lot of specialists in 2019 about to be 2020 you know kids who play one sport you know, there's a family that that played two sports a couple of years ago in Kyler Mary and and Oklahoma handled that situation very well and I'm not saying that you know here's a guy that's going to come and, and play baseball for the Sooners because uh, we don't expect that to happen 
But at the same time, I think what multi-sport athletes do for a program is it really helps off the field. It's it's a way in the off season to stay grounded. It's it's I don't mind, Jason. What do you think about this? Like I don't mind when when players are are single sport focused, but I don't think it's good for an athlete. I, I think athletes need to be challenged in other ways, uh, both both physically and mentally. Uh, does that make sense to you? Can you get on board with that? Like, how do you feel about in today's world? high school athletics, even elementary school athletics, when parents and coaches are asking kids to play one single sport all year long. Well, first of all, let's just say that we're on an Oklahoma podcast here, and Oklahoma is home to the greatest multi-sport athlete of all time, Jim Thorpe. So uh, so certainly I think people from the state of Oklahoma are on board with multi-sport, multi-sport athletes. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's probably just up to the individual kid. I mean, if, whatever's best for them. There are some kids that it's best for them to, to focus in on one thing that they know they're really good at and maybe they're not as good at the other things and they know – they're, they're going to be recruited for this certain sport, whatever. Um, and then there are some that even if they're not as good at the other sports, they want to continue to play them because they've always played them and they think they're fun and all those things. I mean, um, I, I kind of just think it's up to the individual kid and what's best for them. I like multi-sport athletes. I think it's fun. Uh, when they when they do that, when when guys play multiple sports and are good at multiple sports, um, but you know, I, I I don't know. I don't really get. I guess this isn't an issue. I get super fired up about either way. I mean, I I think it's uh, I, I think it's it's fine when they do and fine when they don't, and it's just kind of up to them. So Sooners fans, keep an eye on on this young man. He's he's clearly going to you know, come into the program and 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 make a difference and. There's a couple glaring things for me, Jason, when, I, when I'm looking at this commitment list. And remember, as we're recording this, no one has signed on the dotted line. And one of those things is a quarterback. Why isn't there a quarterback part of this group? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's sort of the big lingering question here is, are they going to get a quarterback in, in 2020? And, uh, you know, they uh, – I think that, you know, early on, once they, uh, they had Jalen Hurts in, they, they've got Tanner Mordecai, redshirt freshman. They've got Spencer Rattler, the number one player, um, number one quarterback, uh, in the 2019 class. They've got him on campus. And then they've got Brock Vandegrift, the number one quarterback in 2021 committed out of Georgia. So I think, uh, it's a delicate game they're playing here, right? They've got to make sure, uh, that they don't scare off Brock Vandegrift. They've got to make sure, that uh, they don't, you know, get Spencer Rattler worried that they're going to bring in somebody and recruit over him. Uh, I think that Spencer Rattler is probably viewed uh, as the quarterback of the future, um, and so uh, I think it's sort of a delicate balance. I think that the guy that they uh, sort of had their eye on or have their eye on is Chandler Morris, who is the uh, son of. Uh, former Arkansas coach Chad Morris. Uh, they recruited Chandler, uh, you know, last uh, spring and, and summer, I believe. Uh, he went to Oklahoma for a visit. He liked Oklahoma, but uh, ultimately, obviously, was committed to play for his father at Arkansas. And then, obviously, 
He's not committed to Arkansas anymore. Why would he be after his dad was fired? Um, so I think the natural assumption was that Chandler Morris was going to become the quarterback. He's a three-star kid. He's a good uh, good player, maybe not seen as an elite Spencer Rattler or Brock Vandegrift-level talent. Isn't the kind of guy that's going to scare off those other guys but would provide some quality depth. Um but then Chad Morris got hired by Auburn as offensive coordinator. And uh, I think that Chandler wants to play for his dad. And Auburn already has a quarterback committed, but there is, uh, there's been a lot of talk that they want a second one. Um, of course, then the question becomes if Bo Nix is, uh, is, is just started as a true freshman, presumably going to be around for the next two or three years. Do you want, um, if you're Chandler Morris, do you want to go somewhere where you're going to be buried on the depth chart for, for a couple of years and guaranteed not to not play? I don't know. I think there's a lot of uh, interesting questions here, but Chandler Morris is the guy that they that they want. The question is, can they get him or is he going to go to Auburn? I think uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's where this is all going to land. And Chandler Morris has now said, I think to the Dallas Morning News, that he's not going to sign until February. So this isn't going to be resolved for a while. It's something to keep an eye out for Sooner fans, what happens at this quarterback position, because it's been, although – Three different quarterbacks over the last three years. It's funny how some things can shake out, Jason. I mean, you would say that's what? Instability at the position. But since it was Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and now Jalen Hurts, you could actually say that it's been stability at the quarterback position, even though it's three different guys and now about to be four. Jason, that's four quarterbacks in four years. That's incredible turnover at the most important position in sports. Yeah, it is. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of people, and I'm sure this is probably used against Lincoln Riley in recruiting, who point to the fact that, yes, they've had three straight Heisman finalists, two Heisman winners, and a runner-up. Um, but they also, um, you know, all three of those guys were transfers. And I think that, uh, I, I don't necessarily think that that's, totally fair I think Jalen Hurts it's fair to bring that up in the in the terms of Jalen Hurts because he was a grad transfer sort of a one-year you know almost mercenary type of guy that came in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray both came after playing elsewhere for one year and basically came up in Lincoln Riley's system but that is a, that is something that's going to be used against OU I'm sure in uh, in recruiting and probably has been used against them um, in, in recruiting and, and and if they don't sign Chandler Morris this is what's fascinating they don't know that if they're going to have Chandler Morris presumably till February. So if they, so that means that as of right now, they have two scholarship quarterbacks entering the 2020 season: Tanner Mordecai, Spencer Rattler. Those are the two guys that are going to be battling it out presumably for the job. And it's probably fair to assume that whoever loses that job is going to transfer. That leaves you with one scholarship quarterback. But if they don't know about Chandler Morris till February. It's not like they can bring in a grad transfer at that point. It would be too late. So I'm really interested to see how Lincoln Riley handles all this because the other the other part of that is if he brings in a grad transfer, he risks scaring off Tanner Mordecai and Spencer Rattler the way he scared off Austin Kendall. Now, I'm not suggesting that that was the wrong decision. Obviously, OU's in the playoff with Jalen Hurts, and Austin Kendall would not have probably been as good as Jalen has been. But these are all things that Lincoln has to consider. This is a very delicate tightrope that he's trying to walk. Man, Jason, when you, when you put it like that, uh, I, I think that offers great perspective. Um, on this quarterback position. And since you mentioned transfers and grad transfers and, and that kind of being in vogue in college football now, I just want to do a special shout-out 
uh, Max Olson, a friend of the outside world, you all know him, um, wrote a fascinating story about transfer qu- quarterbacks. Did you see the the percentage number that he put on whether the quarterback you sign this week will finish his career with the program? I got to be honest, and I love you, Max. I have not had a chance to read that yet. I, it's on my list. <laughs> Can you take a stab? What percentage of quarterbacks that sign on the dotted line this week will remain with those programs throughout their career? Well, it's got to be low because uh, only one quarterback can play. That's always the problem. Uh, Multiple receivers, running backs, linemen, whatever can play. Uh, It's different for a quarterback. So, um, geez, I don't know, 20%? 40%. 20%. 20% is low. Think about if 20% of the quarterbacks, tra- like 80% of them transferred, that would be well, insane. But, but that's what it feels but, like. It does feel like that. It does. But any, for, Max Olsen, incredible story. If you haven't seen it, uh, check it out on The Athletic. And by the way, since you're a listener to the outside world, if you're not an athletic subscriber, you can be for 40% off an annual subscription. It's theathletic.com slash the outside world. If you go to that special promo link, that's where you'll get that deal. And by the way, I'm gifting my soon-to-be brother-in-law a subscription to The Athletic for Christmas. I'm like, what do I get this guy? I, I don't know him very well, but I know he loves the Ohio State Buckeyes. I know he's a, a an Ohio State graduate. He loves college football. Gift him a subscription to The Athletic. I don't even have to leave my house. I can just send it to his email, and, it, and it's a pretty good deal. And by the way, it's a, it's a cheap deal, and it's a gift that keeps on giving. It's not some stupid stocking stuffer. You can literally buy somebody a year subscription to The Athletic for 30 bucks, and they get content for a year. It, trust me, it's the, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I want to move on to the other side of the ball, Jason, because there's momentum now on the Oklahoma defense. I mean, last year at this point, you're like, my goodness, I'll take anybody to play on this defense. Um, but they bring Alex Grinch in, and, and this, to say the unit has improved would be an understatement on the field. What about off the field? How's he doing on the recruiting trail? Well, pretty well. I mean, it's one of those things that we always – talk about when there's a new coordinator a new coach you always sort of say that the second year is where the second signing class is where things um often really improve and i think that will be the case here i think 2021 is when we'll really really start to see alex grinch's impact on the recruiting trail and i also need to say mike stoops the problem for mike stoops was never really recruiting he often recruited pretty good players um the problem is what happened after they got to ou Uh, maybe some of the talent evaluation was off maybe uh, the coaching was off whatever but but um you know, I'm really interested in a guy like Bryson Washington, a six foot three safety from Houston, who you know was a really, really important recruiting win for OU last summer when he committed, uh, sort of a head to head win over Texas. And he's sort of the exact safety type of safety I think that Alex Grinch wants. He's big, he's physical, he's the kind of guy who I think fits in nicely with Alex Grinch's defense. And then you know there are a couple of cornerbacks that are uncommitted. Uh, Dante Manning is one who was committed to OU but then decommitted. I think the momentum and the assumption is that he'll probably end up committed again from the Kansas City area. Dante Manning and then Josh Eaton is another cornerback that I think people are pretty excited about. And they need cornerbacks. Uh, you know the for most of this season, 
they've had three active cornerbacks, uh, Trey Brown, Parnell Motley, and freshman Jaden Davis. And outside of that, and you know, when you saw in the Kansas State game when Parnell Motley was kicked out of the game, uh, they were down to two, and one of them was a true freshman, and that really improved to proved costly. So uh, they need to get some depth in there at the cornerback spots, um, and I I expect that they will. Those two guys, I think, are probably going to end up committed to OU, and. Um, they have the number one and number two uh, JUCO defensive linemen, both committed, sort of help maybe plug uh, the hole left by uh, Neville Gallimore. So there, there's a lot to be excited about on the defensive side, recruiting wise for OU. I mean, in addition to what they've done on the field, they've been they've been great. The the turnaround, I, I don't think that it, it gets enough credit. I mean, the turnaround on the field has been truly remarkable. It has, and that's why Alex Grinch has become in college football circles anyway, a household name who, by the way, um, will become even more of a household name if this defense shows up in Atlanta and plays well against LSU. But we both know how tall of a task that is. I told you that there were two things uh, that jumped off the page to me when, when looking at Oklahoma's potential 2020 class. The other thing is, and remember, the first one was a lack of a quarterback. And, and I think, Jason, did, you did an incredible job of explaining that entire situation. The lack of a five-star prospect. And to put that into perspective, let's talk about the programs currently in the college football playoff. Clemson, six five-stars expected to sign. Could have as many as seven which will tie a record, eight set a record or record and break Georgia's record of the amount of five-star prospects. LSU, three five-star prospects. Ohio State, three five-star prospects. And you've got an average star rating of 4.09 for Clemson, 3.9 for LSU, and 3.6 for Ohio State. When you go down to Oklahoma, the number 11th ranked class, according to rivals, of course, it's 3.45, the average star rating, with no five stars. Now, it's so easy to get caught up in these rankings and these stars and these elite prospects and just simply go on and really judge a class by that. But when you've got those other programs, Jason, landing these five stars, is it concerning at all that not one has – uh, or is expected to sign with Oklahoma? Oh, m- maybe a little bit. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm not one of these guys who says stars don't matter. I think they do matter um, in a general sense. They, they certainly do. We've that's been proven by uh, the the sort of teams that have been dominating college football. But, um, but I, I also think that some of these things are. I mean, they're obviously somewhat subjective. Jace McClellan. The running back uh, that that is currently committed to OU, I think by the time this podcast come out, they, that may not be the case anymore. I think there's some question about whether uh, he might flip to Alabama. But the point is, he was a five star for a long time. He just recently was switched, I think, to a four star. So um, some of these things sort of change here and there. Um, and then last year, you know, OU signed four five star prospects. So uh, I, I think. Um, Sure, it matters on a maybe um, uh, macro 
level, but but I also think on a micro level, OU's getting a lot of things that they need in this class. So, uh, you know, I'm certainly not here to be an apologist for them, but I, I don't I don't think it's as glaring a concern as maybe it seems to be. That's a great, I think, take on the situation. And by the way, I, I don't I don't tee up the question there, and and I don't want the listeners to to get the wrong idea. You know, I'm not being critical of Oklahoma for not having a five star. I am just, you know, poking and prodding and trying to figure things out. And if you don't have a five star prospect, but you've got a ton of four star prospects, I mean, is there really a difference? Probably not, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that probably is is fair to say as well. I mean, if they they do have a lot of four star prospects, but look, I mean, they want to be elite in recruiting. They want to be a, a destination, an Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, LSU, that kind of a program. And I think that, uh, and, and I think that you know, Lincoln Riley has them pr- trending in that direction. And I think Alex Grinch, with another year under his belt, will as well. And once they, you know, if they were to get commitments from Dante Manning, from Josh Eaton, and from maybe a couple other guys that they're targeting, maybe that that average star rating goes up a little bit. So uh, we'll just have to see. I, I come back to, I know that this isn't uh, the point of the podcast to to crap on Texas A&M, but I mean, again, you can look at Texas A&M and see that it's not all about stars. No, no, you can you can be really good off the field, but you've got to be just as good and even better on the field. You mentioned Texas A and M. I brought them up, them up earlier. They have the number five ranked class on rivals, and you know just a, th- a few things like Miami being at number nine and Washington being at ten ahead of Oklahoma. I mean, those are two programs, in my opinion, that have no business recruiting better than than Oklahoma, especially right now after Heisman buzz, <laughs> playoff buzz. Uh, Miami and, and Washington being ahead of Oklahoma in these rankings is somewhat head-scratching to me, but I, I don't think it's worth um, teeth mashing over. I think Oklahoma being there in the top 15, right on the borderline of a top 10 class with its quarterback position of the future uh, set up, if you will, with with a returning player and then a, then a five-star prospect in 2021, I think what that can do is, is really make you feel good about the future of the program long-term. Now, before we get out of here today – I want to talk to you about the future of the program short term. It's been a little bit of more. It's been a little bit more than a week um, since since you and I have gotten together, and it's not like many things have changed in regards to the matchup with LSU. But you know, after the last seven eight days, do you feel any different about this matchup than you did uh, the morning or the afternoon? I should say uh, that ESP that that we saw ESPN release the ranking. Like, has a week made a difference? at all um, in the way that you, you view this matchup? Um, not really. I mean, I, I still sort of see it the same way. I still think that uh, for Oklahoma to win, uh, they're going to have to get pressure on Joe Burrow. They're going to have to um, keep him off the field as much as possible. They're going to have to run the ball effectively, sort of uh, the way that Ole Miss did. I mean, I, I don't think that my general feelings about this have really changed. I think I generally feel the same way. I think I'll use a clear underdog. Um, I think they should be a clear underdog. I would not pick them to win right now unless something changed. I probably won't, wouldn't pick them to win. Uh, but uh, I think there is a path for them to win. You know, If they sort of follow the model that's worked really well for them here over the last month. But, um, you know, and that's, you know, running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, and then 
having C.D. Lamb pop off a big play every now and then. Uh, they're not going to win this game through the air. Um, I, I know that it offends you when I say <laughs> things that are negative about Jalen Hurts. Uh, and as as good as I think he is, he's not going to beat. He's not going to win this game the way that Baker or Kyler would have. But they can still win. I'm not saying that they can't win. I, I agree 100. percent And I, I didn't expect most of uh, or if any of your thoughts to change, but. Time does weird things, my friend. Um, and sometimes time, even a few days, a week, you know, in two weeks, I think I'm going to ask you the same thing is because sometimes time, um, momentum changes and you know, who knows what can happen because I mean, when you look at the Heisman Trophy, Jason, and you look at quarterbacks who have won the award, and listen, I know this hit home. This this hits home with Oklahoma fans, <laughs> but yeah, Kyler Murray, he wins the award. They didn't win the national championship that year. Baker Mayfield wins the award. Oklahoma didn't win the national championship that year. The year before, Lamar Jackson was the award. I mean, they weren't even in the college football playoff. But you go back to 2014, Marcus Mariota. Guess what? Oregon did not do that season. Win the national championship. Uh, the last time you really have a a Heisman winner who who wins the the title and 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 wins the Heisman, it's it's 2013 with Jameis Winston. So my point is, historically, the Heisman-winning quarterback does not go on to win the national championship, especially in the last decade. RG3, Johnny Manziel, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, only one of those guys, Jameis Winston, won the national championship. Hey, well, I'll I'll throw one uh, another thing at you. Uh, the last time that Oklahoma had the runner up had its quarterback as the Heisman Trophy runner up uh, was two thousand. It was Josh Heupel. He was a runner up to Chris Winkie, who was Florida State, who OU played in the national championship game and beat in the national championship game. So, and you know, JH Jalen Hurts, Josh Heupel, eh. <laughs> the JHs, man. Well. That that's the that's a favorite thing on Twitter for OU fans to say is that the last two quarterbacks that won national championships for OU were who? Josh Heupel, Jamel Holloway. Wow. Okay, I, I'm sensing a trend here, and, it, and it, you know it might just be fate that that I was able to co-host this pod with you this season as a JH. Oh my God, I did. I never even made that connection. There you go. Wow. It's uh, the stars are all lining up. <laughs> the stars are lining up. And listen, I don't I don't want to make light. I mean, I truly don't think that there is a correlation between winning a Heisman trophy and going on to win the national championship. But what I think it does is that it gives someone a sense of accomplishment. Joe Burrow goes to New York. He's sitting there next to Jalen Hurts and he wins the award. He's the Heisman He's he's the champion, if you will, that night. And you know what it does? I mean, this we talked about whether Jalen Hurts deserved to be there or not, but you remove yourself from that conversation altogether, and you know what you get? I mean, I think you get more motivation from him being there, sitting next to Burrow all day long, knowing that he's going to face this kid in the Peach Bowl, that he's awarded this trophy, and not him. After Jalen Hurts has now been to the playoff for – his fourth consecutive season. Just mentally off the field, as far as motivation is concerned, I don't think it could have played out any better. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, Jalen Hurts, 
seems to thrive with that, uh, you know, so-called chip on his shoulder. So I guess we'll see. We, we will see, and we will see how this class uh, turns out. We'll be back for with a uh, bonus episode for the athletic subscribers uh, later this week to, to take a look at the class, um, see if there was any surprises, um, get some reaction uh, from Lincoln Riley as well, and Alex Grinch and the Oklahoma staff. Uh, maybe we'll get some more discussion about the Peach Bowl this week as well, and we can see how um, the kids on the block, uh, Oklahoma's neighbors, uh, other programs in the in the Big 12, especially Texas. Texas is lagging behind Oklahoma again, Jason. You know Sooner fans love that. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll come back uh, later this week with a subscriber-only episode for the Athletic Subscribers. And Jason, as always, the pleasure is mine, my friend. All right. Talk to you soon.